0: fans and welcome to the hit show this week the hit show being recorded on april 19th and with me this time two new guests to the podcast i wel- want to welcome john town from the d Rays bay blog as well Hi. as brett phillips hey guys welcome to the hit show it's good hey, to be happy to be here Couple of new voices here on the podcast. Danny and Darby have been hogging it for uh, the last couple of episodes, but uh, nice Jerks. to, yeah, nice to get some new perspectives and some fresh, uh, fresh eyes onto and voices onto the cast.
1: We're trying to run the full vocal spectrum here.
2: <laughs> All, yeah, the full vocal spectrum of white males, as
1: that's
0: right. as
2: Brett called it before the show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the Rays had. Pretty interesting week. Uh, we won a series in, in with against the White Sox. Uh, what what uh, that's cause to celebrate right there. That, that is cause to celebrate, especially considering the start that they got off to. Uh, what did you What did you guys think about uh, the Rays' performance this past week?
1: Well, I noticed too that uh, what was really encouraging for me is that they won it on the backs of their starting pitching. Right. Yep. And that has, that's, if they're going to make a run deep into the playoffs or even to get to October, they're going to have to do it on the backs of their starting pitching. And to be honest, this four man rotation, when I heard about it, I was a little skeptical. But I mean, you know, this past week, it they really fell into a nice little groove.
2: Yeah. I know it's the same thing as like they have that fight. Yeah. They had bringing Erasmo that one game, but otherwise, like, it's still looking a lot better. Archer's kind of iffy right now. But otherwise, it's doing pretty good, I think.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Erasmo Ramirez. He came in as that spot start. He had pitched earlier a couple of innings, I believe, earlier in the week, and yet he still came in, and, and man, it didn't seem to bother him at all coming from the bullpen.
1: you got to love a guy who can just you know, go, come in cold like that and pitch six or so innings and be a stud.
2: Yeah, I could, yeah, of course I have to agree there too. Like I, I would say the Instagram feed and they're pitching Erasmo. It's like, yeah, he's doing good.
0: <laughs> so excited so do you guys expect him to uh take over that fifth slot at least until maybe a hmm. uh, mid season return of alex cobb Oof, i can see boy. it
2: i it depends i think i saw something about this thursday whether or not they're gonna do a bullpen day hmm. but it, I, like they're it probably gonna be uh probably just gonna bring in a fifth man and yeah. make it a mo.
1: at my at this point like the bullpen day for me, I would love a solid, you know, five innings of Erasmo and then just, you know, Brennan, who we've got, Xavier Cedeno, we've got Alex Colomay killing it, Annie Ramiro's turning out great. I mean, the four guys in the bullpen are looking, I mean, the past week they've looked pretty good.
2: They're not missing Boxberger.
0: Nope, nope. It's still uh, early in the season yet, but uh, the, it looks like Boxy can uh, stay gone a little bit longer.
2: <laughs> yeah, like um, the one article I wrote about is like injury. It's like those core injuries; they like screw up your whole system because they kind of talked I read a thing about Justin Verlander how it kind of screwed him up for a while.
0: What What uh, do you want to
2: elaborate on that a little bit? Well, just like the fact that like it kind of messes with your like the way your motion and stuff because even though Boxberger has like a short little motion that kind of stresses out your core and if it's not fully healed like it, you kind of compensate with your arm or arm or something and it kind of messes up your arm slot and your velocity
1: didn't cobb strain his oblique last year too and he when he came back he had a little bit of trouble
2: yeah it's the same, it's the same thing really cuz boxberger had like a core injury like that's almost a, the obliques they're both kind of yeah. right next to each other but yeah it's kind of the same thing
0: well, let's talk a little bit about Matt Moore's performance this week. He went up against Jose Quintana, who I, I believe is probably one of the most underrated uh, pitchers in the game. And Matt looked like he was back to old form. This season has, has started off pretty fantastically for him.
2: Yeah, I like can see, like see his velocity go up and like his, start, his secondary pitch is starting to look better. It's very promising.
1: Yeah, his, um, I was watching that game and his curve was absolutely on point. It seemed like it would start at one side of the plate and end up completely on the other one. I saw he struck out Jose Abreu in a particularly nasty one. It was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. He's he's certainly looking looking like the old Matt Moore, which is great considering what happened at the end of last season, but this season's starting off perfectly well for him. And one other name that just keeps coming up to the to the top of my lips, especially if i as I've been watching the games, and especially in the White Sox series, Brandon Geyer. Man, he, this guy looks, is just amazing.
2: Yeah, he's looking very good so far. I have his stats up right now, but he's at 385 five hundred six fifteen split right now. Wow. In the, in the last yeah. 7 games.
0: He's just insane and and he's <laughs> and he's just getting it done over and over again so so many different ways. Um then on the other side of the coin, uh Lomo is still Oy. kind of on the wrong on the <laughs> on the schneid as it were. Uh what do you, what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of calls for people to Shake up the lineup and move Lomo out of the out of the two slot. What what mm-hmm. what are you guys thinking about with regards to Logan Morrison?
1: I mean, I always think too, I think of last year when his, Struble Cabrera was not hitting for what seemed like the longest April in Rays history, um, and you know there was talk about benching him and playing other players like Tim Beckham. And I I would not go so far as to say we should bench Logan Morrison. Um, he's had a couple at bats recently where it looks like he's kind of starting to square up the ball. One at bat in the Boston series was, was particularly interesting to me. He had a long fly ball to center field that just missed the crazy gap they have there. But I do think it's perfectly reasonable to ask them to move him out of the number two spot. I mean, we're all about lineup optimization here, and that seems like it's at this point in the season, it's been kind of a black hole of production.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, I just. I wonder who you put in that spot, though. That's the that's my only qualm with it. I'm fine with moving him. The only problem for me is, well, who goes there then?
1: That's true. Would you move up. Would you think you could move up Kevin Kiermaier and have, like, a quick one-two punch in the beginning? Or is that.
2: You could not... you, with that speed. The only. Like, Kiermeyer's kind of cold to start off this year, too. So, well, yeah, he's definitely a dynamic player, but, like, he's not streaking or anything.
1: That's fair. And Kiermeyer, too, has. He's batting like 180. I don't have his stats in front of me right here, but he's batting uh, below 200, right? Yeah,
2: 172. Yeah, he's,
0: uh, 172. He's been struggling just a little bit, and it's 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 certainly something. Now, listening to the the first game against against Boston, Dave Wills made a comment specifically about this, and I'm curious to get your take on it. He talked about how Kevin Cash is continuing to support Lomo, and I think that that's been fairly well covered elsewhere in the press for the Rays. But that once you get through the lineup, and this was Dave Will's assertion, once you get through the lineup once, you don't know who's going to be battering in the order and, and who's going to be up first or second in a given inning, given how things are going to go down. Uh, we do know the guys who bat leadoff over the course of a season, 500 plate appearances, they're going to, they're going to have a much better opportunity. But, but what do you guys think of, uh, of Dave's comment there about the lineup not really mattering after you get through the order the first time? Well, at a
2: certain point, like if you get through it could not even matter in the first inning, especially if they give up like two or three hits, it may not matter at all, but the other point of that is basically just the fact that like it's still the certain part of the lineup like if you're facing the one two three hitters, even if it's in like the the fifth inning for some reason, it's still the one two three hitters. they're still kind of in that same dynamic, that same order,
1: yeah, I think there is something to Dave's point in that you know. Starting particular people one two three positioning in the lineup isn't as important as maybe clustering groups of people together. I think that's a really interesting take. Um, I wonder if the Rays have been trying to do that by, you know, batting Kiermaier sixth and putting whoever's fifth. I mean, you've got what Dickerson and Longoria and then whoever's batting after them. But maybe that's an attempt to shake something up. I don't know. That's a really good question.
0: Mm -hmm. So the Rays at. At five and seven, uh, with uh, with a couple of wins in their streak, and now heading into Boston, it's a very commonplace Rays fan thing to uh, declare the season over within the first five to ten games. Mm-hmm. We are now fully past the ten game threshold. Done. So, I want to know uh, if the sky is falling, and, and what you guys think about about the the future of the team based upon what you've seen so far.
1: Season's over. Ship them to Montreal. <laughs> yeah, Make it, we're making
0: we're making the
2: Expos again. <laughs> ship to philly then they'll finally have a pro baseball team oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but, but, in all, but in all seriousness like the team the hitting looks kind of rough like there was uh one article today on d Rays bay for life of me i can't remember who wrote it but basically it was like i was kind of in the middle of like the offense isn't this bad but it's not that good yeah
1: same but at the same time
2: the pitching the pitching is definitely good and i'm liking that a whole lot
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was such a shock in the first part of the season to see the pitching perform so poorly. The first week, everyone seemed to not be able to get anything done. And, and now, this past week, this is the race team that I've come to expect, right? This is the starting pitching bread and butter, the most important part of this team. Mm-hmm.
2: They are settling in now, and I think Erasmus coming in the game for the bomb of the ninth for the race. Yeah, the pitching has looked very good. Like, Smiley tonight, eight innings, like one hit
1: drew Smiley man, oh let's talk about him. I love this guy
2: <laughs> what can I say he's pitching very well
1: yeah he's one, i mean he's, he's one of the best pitchers in the American League at this point. I mean he's been rocking the strikeouts it, we were so nervous about him last year with his shoulder issues, and I'm so happy that that turned out to be not a you know a false alarm but far you know far less severe than it could have been Indeed. um but Definitely. he's He's just been I mean, you know, for a guy who doesn't throw 96 and he he's just oh, it's incredible the way he can carve up a strike zone or at least the way he has been doing it.
2: He's really settling in. He's like he's find he's finding his spot. Like he, I know he started off kind of rough, but now he's really settling in.
0: So when we we go back and think about how the how the Rays came by Drew Smiley in a in a deal that involved Austin Jackson uh was it nick franklin you know between between detroit the mariners and the rays and of course obviously uh david price involved there um what do you guys think about the return that we got it's looking good so far i'm
1: like i like it this far yeah i mean
0: at that time i seem to recall everybody thinking that uh that we didn't get enough in return for price and uh and and that that you know, Drew Smiley was no David Price. I think that's probably still a fair <laughs> statement for sure. True. Well, who
2: who is going to be a David Price that you are going to get out of the minors? I
1: I remember a lot of the discussion too, especially on D Rays Bay, was that you know Price only had two years of control afterwards. Smiley had, I think, at the time four, right? And yeah. that was huge. And you've got to expect that a pitcher like that is going to get better. And so far, he I mean, it's clear that he has. Uh, certainly, like you said, he's no David Price, but. When you combine him with like some of the prospects that we got in that trade, excluding Nick Franklin, maybe I mean, who knows about him, but i i think it's it's the trade certainly looks a lot better than it did a couple you know this time last year
0: yeah so so interesting, one of the pieces not mentioned, but this is a great segue. One of the pieces also who came over as part of that trade was at the time a single a shortstop, a highly regarded eighteen year old listed as the tiger 's third best prospect. Willie Adamas. Let's talk a little bit about uh, prospects, and that has been a, an area that we haven't spent a whole lot on the on the podcast. But let's let's drill down and see uh, how the Rays' farm system is doing just a little bit. You guys want to start off with Willie Adams? Uh, yeah, let's I'm
2: sure. Do it. That's fine with me. Like, I said, Adamas is in AA now, which is right about where everyone expected him to be. He played all of last year in Charlotte. And he's performing pretty much exactly the same. Well, but the strikeout rate is pretty pretty down, so like down lower than it was last year, almost ten percent, more than ten percent actually.
1: Yeah, Adamus is one of those players that we profiled last year for the uh, the swing analysis thing, the banner thing that I was. Very lucky to be a co-author on and just basically funnel the ideas of a hit mechanic into an article. But one of the really great things about Willie Adamas is that despite his, you know, lanky, smallish, relatively small frame, he's been able to – he's luckily – he's probably going to hit for power. And one of the reasons he does that is because when he swings, his bat stays in the zone at a level plane. For so long, just at the nature of how he swings, that he can really get a nice, solid beat on the ball. And that is huge.
0: So if you guys, and I know this is, this is going to be tough, but since we're talking prospects, and I think that one of, the, one of the things that listeners want to know, if you're given a comp, whether it's an existing Rays player or, or some other player in, in the majors, to Willie Adamas, where do you, where do you see him? Where do you project oh. him? Man, oh, my that's, God. That's
1: hard. <laughs> you <laughs> put <putting> me <laughs> on the spot. Yeah.
0: You know who came, came – I was just –
2: one and you just asked me who came first to me. Mm-hmm. Prime Jimmy Rollins. Ah. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but like Jimmy Rollins is like kind of – has that decent amount of power. And like he hit for a pretty decent average. He won the MVP the one year. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's a great defender, which Willie Adamas is too. That's just who came to mind for me. It may not be the most accurate, but that's my first thought.
1: That's good. That's probably better than who I had in mind. I don't know if this even tracks, but I, the way that he's just set up and the way his profile, I think of like a slightly less powerful Ian Desmond. And I know that's like really kind of like over the top, maybe a little bit, but I really think that Willie Adamas has the, his ceiling is something like that. He has the potential to be, you know, a very good everyday shortstop who, you know, is a couple time all-star if he's you know catches a few breaks.
0: All right, so let's stick with the shortstop position and talk about Jake Cronenworth.
2: He's in Bowling Green right now and he is on fire. He has a 4.15 average through the first 10 games. The thing is with him like he's like he wasn't even uh, expecting to be a hitter coming out of college. Everyone thought he was going to be like a relief pitcher out of the draft, but he was drafted in the 7th round last year and he Kind of profiles out well as like a utility infielder because he he has like the glove to play second and short. He's a lot of like a kind of a contact hitter. He doesn't have a lot of power, but God can he put the bat on the ball. Mm -hmm. And this year he cut his strikeout rate so far from twenty five percent to nine percent, and that was like his only big qualm really. It went down really far. Small sample size, but still.
0: What's his defense like?
2: His defense, it's, pr- it's right about where you would hope for like a kind of shortstop second baseman. He isn't going to be anything special, but he has enough that pe- like they call him, people can call him a utility infielder. Like that's what a lot of his projections look like. Mm-hmm. So he has that glove to kind of be a fielder first if you need him to be.
0: Uh, let's move on and talk about a pitching prospect uh, down with Charlotte right now, Brent Honeywell.
2: Yeah, th- he's down in a... Uh, Charlotte. This far, he has three starts so far, and he has a 9.5 K nine and a .5 ERA, and he only has a one. I think one or two walks. Wow! Let me learn how to read. Yeah, two walks so far through three starts. He's going to be in Double A soon because he's picking apart these guys.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's it's pretty pretty impressive. His. Uh... I mean, what is that? One eighty-eight to thirty-five is his strikeout-to-walk ratio over his <laughs> entire career. Jeez, uh, that's amazing.
2: He, he's a control monster.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what do, do you do? You have any insights of of, of what what is, his go-to pitches are?
2: He has his. He has obviously a uh, plus fastball. Then he has a screwball, which is like a. It's like graded as like a sixty-five. You, I usually see sixty as sixty-five, so it's another plus pitch. And then he has a pretty decent changeup. And then I think, I believe he's adding a curveball as well. So he's kind of like, you're going to have both of those options coming in. And you're going to have to try to pick that out of his hand if it's going to break in or out of, at you. All
0: right, And so a screwball is kind of like a reverse slider, correct?
2: Yeah, like re- almost reverse. Because like, basically you torque your hand in rather than out. And it jacks up your arm if you don't do it the right way. So that's why not a lot of pitchers use it. But Honeywell has it mastered pretty much.
1: I talked to a scout or a former scout for a Major League Baseball team a while ago, and I asked him about Brent Honeywell because he's one of my favorite pitchers in the race system. And I asked him, you know, what's this screwball – what does this have to do with minor league teams? And he said, well, you know, in the single-A level – Maybe a player might be overwhelmed by a pitch that they've never seen before or something crazy like a screwball. So you were afraid, there's the concern that Honeywell might be relying too much on his screwball. Uh, if that might be a concern. However, the way that he's been pitching, i.e. the crazy amounts of control, the incredible strikeouts, not only using the screwball to get great, you know, outs and every, and be effective, it really bodes well. And I'm super, super interested to see when he makes the inevitable leap to Montgomery probably this year, barring anything crazy.
2: Yeah, double A is like that really hard jump. That's like one of like those big hops. It's usually like short season to class A and then up to double A and then to the major. So I think he might have a bit of a stall at first when he gets used to the double A. But after a while I think he's gonna start just knocking him down like he is right now.
0: All right. Well let's let's jump back into the field and, and uh speaking of field, let's talk about Johnny Field down with the with the biscuits right now.
2: Johnny Field, he leads Montgomery in both average and RBIs. So he's like he's kind of like their le- like big hitter. He's hitting cleanup for them. And then the whole thing with Johnny Field is like he's kind of a sneaky prospect, but he has a very high engine. That's like the kind of way I describe it. It's just like he's just going going all the time when he's on the field. So even if he's not like the fastest outfielder, he plays center field with ease cuz he's just going going going.
0: Do you guys expect him to to find his way up into Durham at some point this season? If
2: he keeps hitting like this probably cuz he he was in AA last year as well, I believe. So he's pretty overdue for a for a spot in Durham, I'd say.
1: Yeah, if he keeps this up, I don't know how they'd be able to keep him out, you know.
2: Yeah, he spent all of 2015 in AA.
0: Okay. Well, and speaking of Durham, let's let's go over and talk to uh, a I'll talk about a fan favorite who's who's uh sort of been on the rotating bus back and forth it seems at least at the end of last season mikey matuk seven war matuk yes yeah, so, so what was it seven war <laughs> matuk seven war matuk seven war I, I, matuk
1: is that's the thing
2: yeah i see that in the comments all the time on the site it's just like seven because he's so good
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah i remember in i remember in 2013 when i mean it was 2014 i guess when Petkoa predicted Kiermaier to get five, five war. And everyone was like, that's insane. And then like, he goes out in 2015 or 2014 and does it. Yeah. It was beautiful. It's like, no, of course he's not. And then he does. This is our motto. This is our new Kiermaier. Kiermaier 2.0. Yeah. So We're
0: just going to get a whole outfit of Kiermaier's. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't, that would, that would be a good thing. Although so, who, much who would... so much
2: range. So much range.
0: It, it would be pretty pretty incredible, I will say. And now now Matuk spent a good amount of time in the minors. Now he's he's got over 500 games in the minors, uh, so I think we've got a pretty good idea who this guy is. 271 hitter lifetime. Uh, is he is he got a chance to to get a permanent spot, uh, or is he just kind of going to be a perpetual like 40 man ad?
2: He should at some point have a chance the only problem is i don't know when cuz the outfield is very stacked at the pro level yep. but what i do like to see out of him now is he's is hitting he's actually hitting against righties so far this year right now he has a 302 average against righties and that's most of his at bats he only has like a two or three against lefties so he's hitting very well at least on against triple a righties i don't know how what kind of gauge that is but at least at that level he can actually hit against righties Mm-hmm. That was one of his struggles last year.
1: I love Mikey Matuk. I, I I fear that he will have a very good role as an as like a right fielder on another team. My concern is that because of the Rays are so stacked in the outfield position, that even a great guy like Mikey Matuk might not have a my wouldn't who deserves a regular role wouldn't be able to get that role on a team like the Rays.
2: I well, think he could be a trade candidate. That's I always think that's a. I, I for some reason I always like assume oh this guy can be traded for some reason, but that's for a reason. That's what he seems like to me. He might that's what mm-hmm. could end up happening
0: to him.
1: Yeah, he'd be an excellent like he'd be an excellent dangle for trade bait. He'd be excellent trade bait.
0: What do you think that the Rays could expect to get in return for a guy like Mikey Matuk? Hm.
2: On his on its own, <laughs> he can probably fetch like a decent like maybe outfielder or like a middle of the rotation back rotation pitcher on its own. Yeah. But Matok would be a very good, like second piece in a trade deal. He wouldn't be the headliner, but he would be like a very good, like second or third prospect in a de- in like one of those kind of blockbuster deals.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But the only thing is I don't know who the Rays give up as a, let's as say like the top tier prospect there where they can like agree to part with someone.
1: Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, you're definitely cutting into bone, and you don't want to like destroy the foundation of this team.
0: So, guys, the the Rays obviously have a couple more games against the Red Sox, independent of what the outcome of this game is, and then they head into New York to to face a, a very interesting Yankees team. What what are you guys looking forward to uh, as this road trip continues?
1: Hmm. Well, I would like to see uh, the Rays take advantage of the ability for the um. Uh, not the, I'd like to see for the Rays. To take advantage of uh, Boston's beleaguered bullpen at this point. Joe Kelly leaving in the first inning seems like a huge thing for this uh, in the first game of the series. It's super big. Um, I'd like to see the Rays, you know, knock a pitcher out early and see if we can work on that bullpen.
2: Yeah, for me, I want to see how they stack up versus the rest of the division because the division's kind of up in the air. Most people seem to say Toronto, obviously, but they're kind of like the top. But I want to see how they fare against, like, Boston and New-, and New York, obviously, because they're kind of like the competition in that second-place area.
0: The road trip does not get any easier for the Rays. After the series with the Yankees, they head into the Orioles, and then they're going to face up against the Blue Jays. So we just we uh, we gotta got to – bunch of tough games ahead of us and let's hope that this pitching holds up
1: yeah i hope so i I, like what john said i'd like to see how they stack up against the rest of the teams in this division it'll be a fun ride
0: all right well brett john thank you guys very much for coming on to the hit show and sharing your insights especially about the prospects is something that we'd like to discuss more frequently we hope that uh we'll be able to get you guys back on in some future episodes no problem thank you thank you so much Hey folks, that about wraps it up for this week's hit show. want to encourage you to head over to iTunes and give our humble little podcast here a rating. It makes a big deal. It shows us up in other people's searches when they're looking for great baseball podcasts. So please head over to iTunes and just pop a few stars for us. We'd really, really appreciate it. also want to let you know if you've got any ideas or suggestions for the podcast, you can always drop us an email. We are at... Bay podcast at gmail.com and we answer all the emails so if you send one in and it's got some kind of meaningful question or a contribution you'll certainly get a response from from one of us well that's going to do it so we'll see you next time on The Hit Show